A son who got lost. He lost his appreciation for the provided food. He lost his appreciation for the provided house. He lost his appreciation for the provided phone. He lost his appreciation for a provided family experience. You see, because everybody doesn't have those things. And yet a father's love does not stop because a son gets lost. People get lost. People get lost. And when they are lost, their spirit gets broken, it gets crushed. When they are lost, their life becomes miserable. When they are lost, they try as hard as they can to find their way, but they can't find it. People get lost. Christian people and non-Christian people. Parents and children. Older adults, young adults. Men and women. People get lost. God knows that. And He tries to communicate to us that He is a Father who seeks to reach. You and I, when we're lost. I'd like you, if you have your copy of God's Word, to open it to Luke, to the book of Luke. I thought about asking which book I wanted you to open to, but I figured you all guess the answer. (laughs) To Luke, okay? We're in the 15th chapter. We're going to try to finish that chapter today. Luke chapter 15. In just a little bit, we're going to begin with verse 11. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. If you have the New Testaments, they're page 66. And again, if you do not have a Bible, grab one of those New Testaments that are out on the table when you leave. Bring it back next week and uh, use it during this time. I'll be calling attention to some of the words in the in the. Scripture we look at so that if you read it a year from now, if you look at your underline or circled parts, I'm telling you, it'll help you understand the passage you're reading much better. But before we get into the Scriptures, today is the, uh, the Sunday that we are going to do Touch Someone's Life Gift. Uh, again, if you don't know what Touch Someone's Life Gift is, there's an explanation in your handout that you were given. But what it is, is that we're going we're res- to pass some popcorn bags. Okay, they're not real large. We're not trying to make a big to-do about this. We do not normally pass an offering plate of any kind. When we started, we did that, and we just said, you know, we're just going to put a container in the back. People who want to give to Connection will find that container. And uh, someday we may change. I don't know why, but, but that's how we take our offering. But we decided a little bit over a year ago, I think, Anyway, we decided that once a month we were going to pass popcorn bags and ask people just to put in nickels and dimes, dollars, whatever. Some people write checks. And uh, we're going to take that money, and at the end of the worship service, I'm going to give that money to someone here. Okay? 
Now the checks we won't give, we'll save those for next week, next month, because we want to just give the cash back the very day we receive it. And that person is to take that money and give it to someone out there. Okay? Not use it for themselves. Just give it to a total stranger maybe. It may not be a stranger. That's your choice. And uh, so at the end of the worship, I'm going to ask somebody to come and we give them the bag of money and uh, they're going to then take it and I'll give them a half sheet of instructions that helps them. We've learned through this process of doing this. We've had over 25 people who have taken this gift and given it. You can read two of the stories there in the, mess- or in the uh, worship handout from the offering that was taken last month because we had uh, a large enough offering. We just gave it two people. And you can read that. Let me say this. When we pass the bags, okay? When we pass the bags, you may have a need. You know, we're talking about people out there. You may have a need. You may need another $20, another $10, okay? By all means, you just reach in that bag and you take it out, okay? That's going to be hard. We're not used to doing that. We're just trying to let this go. This is all about God. It's all about letting God do, because we so want to control everything about God. Okay, and so uh, when we take this offering, if, if you have a need and there's a bill in there you need, you take it out. You put it in your pocket and you use it, okay? We want you to, I'd like the lead team members to go to your places and begin passing the bags, if you were. They're going to pass them down, you help them out, keep the bags moving, and uh, then they'll collect those bags at the end, okay? And while they're doing that, again, let us look at the book of Luke. Uh, Jesus is going to tell a story. Look there at the 11th verse, if you have your Bible, or look on the screen. It begins with, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. Jesus is going to illustrate a point, okay? The point he is illustrating is the point about people get lost. He's already told them a story about a lost sheep. He's told them a story about a lost coin, The problem with people who go to church quite a bit or who read their Bible, they read these stories and they say, I know those stories. But do you really know the story when you're lost? That's the question. Because I'm going to tell you, whether you're you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus Christ or you're not, we all get lost sometimes. Sometimes in my marriage, I get lost. Sometimes in relationship with my children, I get lost. Whether they, when they lived at home or when they don't live at home because there's a disagreement or there's something going on in my life. I just get lost. We get lost. Jesus is, is going to illustrate this point further. And what you've got to understand, he's talking, he's talking to religious traditionalists. And you have to look at the first chapter to see that, okay? I think it's in verse 2. He explains it in the 15th chapter. In other words, verse 1 says he, uh, that people who are notorious sinners are coming to him. And the religious traditionalists saying, what is he doing hanging out with them? He goes and eats with those kinds of people. Doesn't he know they're notorious sinners? Okay. And the religious traditionalists, they don't recognize lostness. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people going to church don't recognize they're lost. They're not related to God in the sense of that time period. I'm not saying they're not a Christian. Okay. But there's people going through life and they're lost. They don't recognize it. In this case, it's the religious traditionalists. And so Jesus tells this story. He tells the first story about the sheep, thinking they ought to understand. 
He tells the second story about the lost coin, thinking they ought to understand. And now he's going to try to illustrate the point further. Listen to what religious traditionalists would say. They would say, enough is enough. Come on, Jesus. Preach a different sermon. Talk about something different. I'm tired of hearing about this. Okay, you're responding to our feelings and our actions toward these notorious sinners. And we know they're lost. And Jesus is trying to tell them, no, you're lost. You're not where God wants you to be. And so enough is not enough. You need to hear it again. And folks, now we are those religious people. We are those people who have made church a part of our experience. But some of us may not be those religious people. But we find ourselves lost right now. And, 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 and you know what we tend to do when we're lost? We don't like to talk about being lost. We don't like to talk about not being in the right relationship with God. See, we want to deny that. We want to deny that we're powerless to manage our own lives and that our life is out of control and that we can't get a hold of being found. We can't get a hold of, of where we, we know inside, we know in our mind we want to be. And we remain lost. And we just can't seem to find our way. We just can't seem Get out of this. We may buy. We may travel. We may do pleasure activities. We may, we may do all kinds of things in regard to our life. But we just can't find where God wants us to be. And so what does He do? To illustrate the point further, He tells a story. Now I've said this before through the book of Luke. And Jesus often tells stories. He's a storyteller. If I ever am involved with your life and you come and you talk to me, many times to illustrate a point, I'll tell a story because stories help us to understand. It's important in their day, if you remember some time ago I mentioned Jesus would tell stories because many of these people are illiterate. They can't read. See, we think they're all like us. They can't read. And so he tells stories because they can't read the Scriptures. And so he tells stories... Because they'll remember the stories. And guess what? They'll pass them on. And they'll teach other people through the stories. Now, this story that we're going to read is probably the best known story that Jesus has ever told. It and the Good Samaritan probably are the two best known stories. This is the longest story ever told. Might be sort of significant, you think? It gives a lot of time. To tell this story. It's the longest story Jesus ever told. And he has a point. And the point is, people get lost. Look on your worship handout. There's a page for filling in the blanks. Look at that first blank. Understand the parts of this story. Number one, three parts to this story. Number one, Father. That's God. That's the analogy for God. That's a symbol for God in this story. Jesus doesn't say God. He uses an earthly father. Number two, the younger and older son, that's you and me. You just got to decide which one you are when you're lost. Okay? Because sometimes we're the younger son and sometimes we're the older son. Which one are you when you're lost? And number three, there's a rescue. There's a rescue. Just like in that video, that son who got lost... Had to get a job, apparently left home, like his mom said, but you can't leave, you won't come home. 
And so he had to get some work. And he finds himself in a dilemma. And he's in the hospital trying to get all the help. A father who loves lost children doesn't listen to the boy. And he picks him up. What are you doing, Dad? And he does everything he can to help a lost son find in life what he's really looking for, to be able to walk again. Jesus tells his story. Now, listen. In this story, look at verse 11. He says, a man had two sons. This is a good father. This is a wise father. I don't have time to build his wisdom. He is a man that knows how to handle what God has given him to be productive, and so he has finances. He apparently handles his finances well, and apparently he handles a relationship with his, his two sons well. We'll see that in a sense as he goes through this. This is a good dad. Now, I know this. Now, let me stop for a minute, because the, the longer I've been in the ministry, the more I realized I used to be sort of naive thinking everybody had a good relationship with their parents. And most folks don't. Most folks do not. And so some of us will have trouble identifying with a good father like this, and we have trouble identifying with God being a good father. You see, because our father wasn't so good to us. Our father didn't handle his things well. He didn't handle his wealth well. And we always find ourselves struggling. And he didn't handle his children well. Matter of fact... Some fathers abuse their children. Some fathers abandon their children. They may still live in the same house with their children, the same location, but they really abandon their children. You see, they're lost. They're lost fathers. And I'm, I don't mean to live moms out, but this is a father had two sons. You see, the father is lost. He can't find himself. He'll try for a week, a month, but then he gets back to being lost. And some of us, we can only identify with a father who is lost. And so we say, I don't understand a good father. But Jesus is telling us a story about a good man, a good father, a father who represents God. I want to tell you, I am sorry if you did not have a good father. I have to tell my children. You know, I told you religious traditionalists don't like to repent. Man, I have to repent to my kids even as... I'm sorry, I shouldn't have got upset. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been that way. See, because I know I can get lost. And I want to tell you, I'm sorry if you had a father that was not good. We can't go back and change the past. But I will tell you this, the Bible says, the Bible says that God will be the father to the fatherless. People who have not had a good father can know a good father. It'll be God. It'll be God. Now some of us say, okay, hocus pocus, be a good dad. No, I'm telling you. You see, a baby is born little. And the baby grows up and it learns there's a man that holds it. And the baby learns that man loves it. If that is a good daddy. And that baby knows that man as it grows into childhood and into maturity. Dad doesn't always pick up the baby because the baby has to learn or the child has to learn. But it's a good dad that's there. It's a good dad that cares. I know what a good dad is. I had a good dad. 
and I have studied. I've been mentored by men who are good dads. I can remember my wife and I wanting to be invited to the Orange Myers house because I wanted to watch Tim because he was a good dad with his kids. I wanted to see how they handled around the supper table as they ate. We learned some things hanging out with good dads. I'm not saying I'm the best dad, but I know what it means to be a good dad. I try to be a good dad to your kids. I try to let your kids know I'll be there. You see, God can make a bad father a good father, but you've got to get to know Him just like a kid's got to get to know Him. Some, some people come to our church and their children are, 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 are little, and I try to talk to them, and they, you know, they think I'm weird. And I'm going to tell you, I told my wife, I, I fit all the characteristics of a predatory sexual abuser because I talk to strange kids or kids that are strangers to me. That's better. No, believe me, I talk to your kids. I talk to strange kids sometimes. But, but, but and, and I go out of my way, okay? But I'm telling you, listen. The only way you can get to have a good father is you've got to relate to your father. And so God wants to be the father of the fatherless. You've got to start relating to Him. You've got to start learning some things about His characteristics, His behavior. You've got to understand that God. Now, let's go on with Jesus' story. It says, verse 12, The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now. In other words, he can't wait any longer for life to move on. Now, we can identify that when we're lost. Don't have time to talk a lot about that. Look what he says. I want my estate now before you die. This son has come to the place that many adults come to. He is physically mature, but emotionally and spiritually he's not. Now, if you would tell him that, he would get mad and he would demonstrate he's not. But he wouldn't see the demonstration. You see, the, usually the, the, the person, the last person to know they're lost is the person who's lost. Say, the mom, the dad that's lost. They don't recognize. See? Somebody says, you're so lost, you don't know what you're doing. You ever hear expressions like that? You're so lost, you don't know where you're going. See, this kid, this kid is like many adults. He reaches physical maturity, but he's not reached emotional. He's not reached spiritual maturity. He, he, he just can't wait to have life his way. I want to do it my way. I don't want to do it your way, Dad. See, the natural progression is you wait for your inheritance when your dad dies. And he wants that inheritance now. See, he said, he, he, he's saying, I can't wait. You know, I don't need you, dad, to live life. I, I can make it on my own. I can move on on my own. I don't need it that way. See, I don't need that responsibility in my life. I, I can do it. And lost people are hard. They're hard to rationalize with. Because you see, they're emotionally and spiritually immature. And so look what it says. Verse 12 goes on. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his son. In Jesus' story, now I didn't make the story up, Jesus creates a father who handles his son well, he gives his son freedom. This isn't a kid. This, this is a younger son, but this is a son who's a man, okay? And so the father gives the son freedom. You may disagree with what the dad does, you're not telling the story. Jesus is. He's got a point. And God is the same way. God gives us freedom. God, Jehovah, allows us to make our choices. And let's be honest. Just be honest. Some of us 
are in complication in life. We can't find ourselves. We are lost. We're lost in our marriage. We're lost not in our marriage. We're lost in our, in our relationship with others. See, we're lost in our work. We're lost in our, 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 we're, we're lost in our sex activity. See, because we're trying to find ourselves. And God gives us a freedom. But listen, the complication comes in our lives because of the choices we make. The complication comes because, you see, we're not committed to someone who could help us. We're not committed to anything except I can live the way I want. Dad, give me my money. See, it's my, my money? But that's what lostness does. Whether you're an older adult or a young adult, But God will give you the freedom. And often, often what happens in our life that causes us to be miserable, to have a broken spirit, though though lostness won't show that. (laughs) I'm cool, I'm fine, man. Just chill, leave me alone, I'm okay. But we know inside, man, it's not there. We know there's such thing as real joy. We've felt it before. We've seen it. And we've not felt it for a long time. We can't get a hold of it because we're lost. We may be a follower of Jesus. We may not be a follower of Jesus. We can't find ourselves. And what we do, listen, we get mad at God. We get mad at God because He doesn't make things work out for our good. But you see, we've complicated our lives by our wrong choices. There's a verse. There's a verse I had to memorize. Man, it comes to my head so often. Look on the screen. It's from Isaiah, the fifth chapter, the 21st verse. What sorrow. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes, who think themselves so clever. That's where lostness is. That's where lostness is. See, that's where lostness is. If I'm ever with you and I talk about this verse, I say, imagine you've got a young child and you're in your yard along a street that has traffic. And when you're working in your yard, you know what little children do. They always work toward the street, right? Do you not believe there's such a thing as a real devil? He wants to kill your child. He wants to spoil every meaningful thing in your life. He wants you to be mad at God. And so your child wanders through the street. Say, hey, son, come on back. Honey, get on back here. You'll get hurt. I don't want to. Get, come on, come on. Okay? So your child gets back because you're bigger than your child. Isn't it great that God made parents bigger than their kids? He did for a reason, I'm telling you. And so you work again, your child works through the street. Come back. Okay, you go through that two or three times. Something happens while you're working. And your child comes back because, see, you're bigger. You're bigger. Now, some parents don't take advantage of their bigness. Okay? And your kid gets into trouble sooner. But in this case, you get distracted and you get over here or maybe go around just to the side of the house just for an instant and your kid sees it and your kid goes out in the road because there's something about the road he wants to be in and boom, he gets hit by a car. He's in the hospital. They have to amputate one of his legs. Why did all that happen? Did God forsake him? Your child decided he's wise in his own eyes. Your child decided... 
He can do what he wants. Now you say, but that doesn't tie in with me. I'm not a child, I'm an adult. But you see, that's how we get. That's what you're going to see this boy gets. And your child grows up now. Oh, when he's little, you know, little kids are amazing. They are. Parents aren't amazing. Parents stigmatize their kids. Parents label their kids. Some, somebody puts a label on your child, puts some, some alphabets on your child, you tell them to just hush up. When that kid's little, he's got an amputated leg, but he gets, he gets what he needs, a prosthesis, and he's running all around, and he plays. But here's what happened. He gets to be in high school, and he notices he can't run as fast as those other boys. And then at the dances, he notices he doesn't dance quite like those other guys do. And then all of a sudden, you see, because if you're lost and you can't explain that, he says, why would God let that happen to me? And if you can't explain this verse, if you don't understand this verse, he now is mad at God and he will run from God. He'll run from the Father who loves him. Just like this guy here. See, that's what lostness does. Lostness puts us in a place that we're going to do it our way and we're not going to listen to anybody else. And lost people get mad at God because the wrong choices they make have complicated their lives. I'm telling you, oh gee, I can't tell you. I don't have enough time. I've told young people, you've got to go home and apologize to mom and dad. You see, your problem is you're trying to make it on your own and you can't. You're going to see this guy can't. You gotta go home and say you're sorry, Mom and Dad. I'm never gonna go home and say I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. Then what you're gonna do, you're gonna get pregnant if it's a girl, or if it's a guy, you're gonna get a girl pregnant. And if you're a girl, you're gonna bring that girl up, and she's gonna be just like you when she gets your age. She's gonna be in my office or some pastor's office and say, Can you help me? Life's all falling apart. Or if you're a guy, you're you're gonna be just like dads have been. You're gonna abandon your kid. No, I'll never abandon my kid. You will because you you're too young. You can't provide. Go home to mom and dad. You've made some mistakes. And be a child that loves them. But you don't know my parents. Well, I'll tell you what. How about if you and I get together weekly and we spend about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you and I talk, I'll introduce you to God and God will help you understand your parents. I don't have time for that. You see, lost people don't have time to find the plan. Remember that song we sang? I have a plan for you. Lost people don't want to find a good father's plan, God's plan. They're going to do it their way. Let's get back to the Scriptures. Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and, and circle the next five words. It's important you understand those words in regard to this story. See, the next five words said he moved to a distant land. So when you read this, you understand. Here's what a lost son does, or lost people do. They move away from anybody who would call them to responsibility. I want to get with the, the, the weed smokers. I want to get with the, the drinkers. I want to get with the people who don't think I'm wasting my money. I want to get with the people who don't take responsibility. No, I don't want to hang out with people who are going to call me to responsibility. He moves to a distant land. He gets away from anybody who would know him. He gets away from his family. He doesn't want his dad to have any input. We're going to find out he's got an older brother. He doesn't want his older brother seeing him because the older brother says, hey, man, why don't you get it together? Look, look, my shoes aren't wearing out. Or when they do, dad helps. I get new shoes. You got holes in your shoes, see? He moves to a distant land. Lost people, I don't want to hear I used to say to Laura, well, the first two years of our marriage, pretty rocky. 
You think you are holy. You think you're a little Jesus. I don't want to hear. I mean, I'm coming out of a rebellious lifestyle toward my parents, and she marries this jerk. And then she's just trying to give me advice that God would give me. She ended up, listen folks, she didn't leave me. She loved me. She just prayed. Through the difficulties, she prayed. You see, lost people don't want to hear somebody giving them any good advice. They want to move as far as away as they can from responsible people. Don't ask me to go to Connect Group, because in Connect Group, I'll hear things I need to hear. Don't ask me to go to church regularly, because if I go to church regularly, I'm going to hear things that are going to conflict with my life. I'm going to hear God's plan, not my plan. This guy don't want to hear Dad's plan. This guy don't want to hear anybody's responsible plan. This fella says, I don't need anybody. I can live my own life. And what does it say? And there... There he wasted all his money in wild living. He's on his own, and he's living his way. Now listen, wild in the Greek just means this. It just means, now listen to me, there's no rationale, no control. In other words, he moved to a place where he's going to live life with no real rationale, no real control. Oh, you're buying that? Uh, Can you finance it? You got the money? Uh, You're financing four things? You're going to be able to pay for it? I don't want to hear that. I just want it means he went out and he started living life with no rationale, with no control. And 14 tells us about this time his money ran out. That always happens when you live with no rationale, no control. Do you hear me? It always happens. Not because you live wild. We're thinking he's out, and, and probably heard preachers say he's out drinking too much, he's out smoking too much, he's out with the gals too much. Listen, the Greek just says, Jesus telling the story, he said, he just had no rationale, no control, and how he lived, how he spent his money. And when you live that way, you're going to find out, verse 14, your money's going to run out. And then it said, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. In other words, trouble came to the economy. Trouble always comes to the economy. When, whenever I would teach at Rin Lake College, that history course, I would, whenever the first economic problem came to America, I would describe it from history, and it'd be much like what we go through when we have economics problems. And I said, it always happens to us. Believe me, there's going to come difficulty in the economy, and it always will change for those who are wise and how they face that difficulty. Well, see, this guy has lived life with no rationale, no control. He's ran out of money, and then problems come into his society. So what's he do? Listen, I'm going to tell you what he does. In our time period, he's going to the pawn shop. Man, he's, he's, he's pawning the Xbox that, he, that, that mom and dad bought for him for Christmas. See? He's pawning the guitar that, that maybe the money they gave him bought. See? He's going to get a payday loan if he can. You see, that's what he's doing. Listen, why am I saying this? Because I'm trying to make you feel guilty? No, I'm trying to tell you that's what lost people somebody's got to bail me out and you do everything you can and you keep telling yourself I'm not lost not me Mm -mm. that's those notorious sinners that are lost see because he's talking to people who say they got life all together the religious traditionalists verse 2 see look at 15 he persuaded the local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, now that's not 
a very desirable vocation for a Jewish boy because, you see, for Jews, pigs are unclean. I'm not asking you if you think pigs are unclean. Jesus is telling the story. Jesus is saying this is what happens. This fella decides he doesn't need dad, and he wants his money, which isn't really his, okay? It's the father's. It's like, really, what I have in my pocket, there's some money here because I'm getting ready to go spend Memorial Day with my son, and so I went to the bank and got some money. There's some cash here. Don't you beat me up or rob me afterwards. And, and, and I think it's my money. It's not. You know, it's God's money. It's not. See, and so this guy, he says, I want my money. It's his father's money. He goes out. He lives an uncontrolled life experience. Okay, and he finds himself listening, listen, having to give himself to something that God has said he should not do. For him, he shouldn't be doing this. He's a Jew. You're a man, there's some things you shouldn't do. A man should not do. You're a lady, there's some things a lady should not do. I could give you illustration after illustration, I don't have time. When you get lost, you begin forsaking your manhood or your feminine way, and you just cave in to whatever life will offer you. Because you see, your spirit's broke. And you don't want to go back to responsible. You don't want to go back to the plan. You want to live your way. And you're going to find people are going to tell you, your way is like their way, and it's not God's way, and it's an okay way. That's what you're going to find. And listen, it can be old people together saying, our way is the right way, and it's not God's way. And yet you look cool, old folks. You got it together. You can pay your bills. You control your money. What do you need with some preacher telling you what to do? See, this guy has got into a situation in his vocation. This is where he shouldn't be. All that represents is he's got into a lifestyle that is not what is what God wants. Jesus is telling the story. These religious people who are supposed to be reaching their culture have so got set in their ways that they refuse those notorious sinners and their kind of need. And Jesus is trying to tell them, you're, you're in church every Sabbath day. You're lost. From what God would want. This guy, he's, he's involved in something he shouldn't do. Somebody would say, well, why doesn't he get a different job? Because I want to tell you what. Remember I told you, he's mature in body, but immature in emotions. This guy's not dependable. This guy don't show up for work. This guy wants to sleep in. This guy don't like to have a supervisor. He don't like the responsibility of his father. He don't want to supervise. This guy has no resume. This guy has to take whatever he can get a hold of. Now listen, that's where I want to get us to. He has to take whatever he can get a hold of. Whether it's dishonest or whether it's immoral. According to God's plan. Not Mike's. See, Jesus is telling the story. And so he grabs pigs. That's all he can get. That's all he can get. And some of us, what all we can get is what we say, well, that's what I am. When we won't be honest and say, you know why? Because I can't understand how to live any different. Because you see, you don't listen to the Father's plan. Look at 16. The young man became hungry and... 
that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. In other words, everything's going so bad that what is not right for him to have or to involve himself in, he's saying, you know what? Maybe I ought to get involved in that. Because you see, if you're running from responsibility, remember he ran to the distant land. That's it, you got to have that underline because you got to see that. And you can't find yourself, all of a sudden, that which you shouldn't be involved with starts looking like the only thing you have to socialize with, to find any kind of, of, of touching, any kind of experience in life. Because you see, you can't go back and really enjoy the family because you know you're lost. You can't really go back and enjoy a lifestyle with people like your family because you know you're lost. You've got to find the pigs. Now, I'm not trying to be degrading. You've got to find those folks who are taking in what isn't according to God's plan, and it starts looking good to you. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of lost people convincing themselves they are like those folks simply because they're lost. Look what he said, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. He's hungry. He's probably dirty. But the, the biggest thing about lostness now listen, he's alone. Inside, he's all alone. He may have sex with more people than anybody else. He may be making a lot of money and can buy all the possessions. You may even have your mate and your children. But when you're lost, you're all alone. And that's where he is, he's all alone. Where's God in all this? Somebody says, I'm going to tell you, God sometimes has to let us go to the pit before we come to our senses. God has to let us experience our own choices so much that our life becomes so complicated that we have to say, I can't do it. Look, look, look what it says. No one gave him anything, verse 17, when he finally came to his senses. Man, I've tried to handle my money. I can't. I'm lost in handling money. You're in the pit. Come to your senses. I can't make my marriage work. I, I can't find any physical pleasure in this. I, 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 can't, I can't work it out with my kids. I can't work it out with my parents. Come to your senses. See, you're all alone in that place. Come to your senses. Look at the next blank on your message map. He finally said, now you may not like my wording, I'm stupid. My way doesn't work. I'm going to tell you, until a person comes to this point, you cannot usually help them. Parents realize that. Mates realize that. Laura knew that, my wife. She's sitting over here by my young daughter, youngest daughter. She knew that. She prayed. That's what, when, when we got later in our marriage, how did you go through this, Laura? How do you, she would tell me, I prayed. When you wouldn't listen, when your rage was out of control, when, when you were buying those vehicles, when you were losing it all, I prayed. I'd cry, I'd pray. See, because until I came to that place that I'm stupid, my way doesn't work, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to look for the plan that my good father has for me. A person has to come to this. 
Parents, you got to let them come. Brothers and sisters, you got to let them come. You keep bailing them out. You pay their apartment bill. You pay their electric. You say, but I don't want them sleeping on the street. Sleeping on the street may be where they need to be. That's the pit. That's the last thing. That's feeding the swines for a Jewish boy. And you keep bailing them out. Oh, I'm not saying don't help brothers, sisters, moms, and dads. But you know how many times you've helped. Lost people have to come to the place that they say, you know, my way doesn't work. It doesn't work. So look at verse 17, goes on. He said to himself, you see, he's come to this place. I'm stupid, my way doesn't work. So, so he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. In other words, you know, my dad's a great dad because the people around him, he gives them food. Really? Where my home is? The man in charge. He takes care of those folks. You know, my family has a good time when they're together. Why don't I enjoy that? See? Now he goes on. 18, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and earth. In other words, true repentance always involves, listen, acknowledging your wrongness. True repentance. The word repent means to turn. That's what it means in the Greek. True repentance means I'm going my way and I understand what God is telling me and I repent and I turn. Doesn't mean I may not slip back there, but I've got to repent again. You see, religious traditionalists, I told you, they talk about people who go to church and are stuck in their ways. They'll talk about repentance. Everybody else needs to repent, but they don't repent. They don't repent of their judgmental attitude. They don't repent. Repentance is turning. That's what this guy is doing. He's turning. See, I will go home to my father, he says. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Wow. In other words, my philosophy is wrong, God. Father, see, heaven and you. My philosophy for living is the wrong philosophy. My philosophy for handling money is the wrong philosophy. My Philosophy for marriage partner is the wrong philosophy. My philosophy for being a child is the wrong philosophy toward my parents. My philosophy of being a parent is the wrong philosophy. See, if you're lost in your situation, repentance means coming to the place that you're willing to own up both to God and to the people you need to own up to and say, I want to tell you I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. She's willing to repent. That means he's willing to change. And it says in 19, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Wow, man. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. This young man is saying, I'm going to go to dad. I realize I can't get it together. My life's out of control. I'm doing things that I know according to heaven and earth I shouldn't be doing. I'm going to go to dad and I'm going to return on dad's terms. And here's dad's terms. He's learned as a boy. He probably thought as a boy. Why, why, why do you help those people, dad? Why, why, why do you tell them, yeah, you need help? Okay, go over there and, and work on the fences. Or go over there and, 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 and mow the lawn. He comes to us and says, you know, my philosophy's all wrong. I'm going to go to dad. I'm going to go on dad's terms. I'm going to say, dad, listen. I don't have to be your son. Just let me be close to you. Your terms. 
You can tell me. You see, if he'd come home and say, I'm coming home, Dad, I'm your son, now let's get back into relationship, he's still the immature. No control. No rationale. Person. His dad's terms. And so verse 20 says, so he returned home to, to his father. And that's all God's waiting for. I want to tell you, you know, sometimes we preach so hard into churches that we tell people you shouldn't be doing things, and we won't admit we do those things sometimes. We need to start telling people the culture, we're all bad people. We all make mistakes. We all just got to come to the Father. That's all God's waiting for. For us to come home and say, you know, God, I think I'm so cool and got it all together and we're judging. I'm not as bad as them. That's what they were saying, the religious traditionalists. We're not as bad as those notorious sinners. I'm not as bad as other people. We just need to come to God and say, God, I'm not good. I'm not good for you. That's all God's waiting for. Not because He's a mean God. Because you see, until we're willing to be honest about ourselves, we're not going to listen to God's plan. We're just going to hope we get a meal and get a ticket for a bus, and get a little money in our pocket, and we're going to run away again. We're not going to listen to God's plan. We're just going to sort of, you know, we're just going to con our person to help us, whoever that is. And we know that because we've done it again and again and again and again. And we're never going to admit, I'm lost. God's just waiting for us to come home to Dad on His terms. Not ours. That's all he's waiting for. Look, 20 goes on. Underline the next nine words. Very important words. And while he was still a long way off. Okay? See, you might think, well, I'll underline his father saw him coming. But you've got to understand why he was a long way off. Jesus is telling the story. Father represents God. In other words, the father's been looking for him. He's been waiting. And it's not when his son got close that the father says, okay, the father's been looking a long way a long time for his boy. And you know what? God's been looking a long time for you. He keeps trying to reach you. He does. You know that. Somebody keeps inviting you. Somebody keeps talking to you. God has somebody trying to give you some advice. You see, that is so important. Jesus is telling the story because he wants us to see how God really is. Listen to me. God cares for you no matter how bad your sins are. Satan says God couldn't care for you because of how bad your sins are. Don't listen to Satan's lies. Jesus is telling this story because he wants people to understand God loves them. He's waiting for them. He longs for them. He's reaching for them. And so what happens? The Father saw him coming. Look, now, he represents God. Filled with love and compassion. That's what God is. Look, are you sorry? God says, through the blood of Jesus, it's gone. See, whenever I was younger, I used to think that's too easy. You know what I did to that person? You know what I did in that situation? It's too easy just to say, I'm sorry. People who think that's too easy, if you tell them you're sorry, they end up throwing it in your face. Well, if you're really sorry, you'd never do it again. Man, you know that's not true because you're sorry and you do it again. Unless you're a religious traditionalist, then you say, I don't ever do it again. You're just a liar. Now you've got to repent of your lying. Do you see, Jesus is trying to help us understand God is filled with love and compassion. So what does Jesus have the Father? 
I'll just wait on this boy. He's got to walk that lonesome valley. He got to walk it by himself. You remember that song? I'm going to just stay here and wait. No, he ran. Man, he ran. He ran to his son. Look, he embraced him. Well, I'll just wait now. Tell me what it is, son. What's going on? Man, he embraced him. It's just like that father in that video. I mean, I must have spent three hours looking for the right video. And when I saw that, because I knew the passage, I'd written a sermon, I cried. I could cry right now. That's the kind of father God is. He doesn't give up. He's reaching us. He embraced him and he kissed him. And if you read the Greek, the word for kiss him means he kept on kissing him. You know, today if your dad grabbed you and he kissed you all, don't dad no. But when when you were little, your dad grabbed you and ooh, that smells. You know, see, thank you. Mama got that. But your daddy kissed you all over. If he's a good daddy. Man, this is, this is the way God is. God hasn't forgotten you. You can be lost and you can be caught into feeding pigs. In other words, you can be doing things that's never been a part of God's plan for any man or woman. But He hasn't forgotten you. And He's just looking for you. And He's waiting for you to come home. He's waiting for you to come back to Dad. That's why, that's why that song, Come Away With Me, it's not a new song. When I first talked about it, I said it's a new song. It's not a new song to us now. We've sang it many times. I love that song. And what does it say in there? Jesus' invitation, he says, it's never too late for you, so come away with me. Jesus says, I have a plan for you, come away with me. And did you catch what it said in the song? It's a plan that's full of me, Jesus. See, if you're going to come back, it's learning to live. And love like Jesus. These religious traditionalists, they won't do that. Because they're so church oriented. They're going to do it like they've always been done. And they're going to get validation from the people who are religious traditionalists. This is the way we can always do it. And forget the notorious sinners. And God's waiting for those people to come home. The notorious sinners and the religious traditionalists. He's waiting for all of us. Because all of us, I've said this already. All of us get lost. People get lost. People who are followers of Jesus and people who aren't followers of Jesus. And what did, what did that song say? Jesus' invitation? It's never too late. I have a plan. It's full of me. And so he says, open up your heart and let me in. And both in the Hebrew Old Testament, in the Greek New Testament, the word for heart does not mean the blood pumping chamber. The word for heart means your decision-making process right here. Open up this to Jesus. And depending on what you've been lost in and how long you've been lost in and how long you've been listening to people who are lost in that stuff, you really got to hang and get full of Jesus. And those people are lost will tell you Jesus is trying to control you. And I want you to understand, Jesus is not trying to control you. He's trying to set you free, liberate you. He's trying to mend broken spirits and make them, make them well. He's trying to take miserable lives and make them contented lives. That's what He's trying to do. But you've got to open up your heart and let Him in. Now let me say something real quick to dads at this point. 
Because you know I throw this in. Dads, some of us, we need to hug our sons more. Especially, we ought to hug our children more, but especially our sons. They need to feel our love. We need to be this kind of a father. Because some of us dads, you're not affectionate enough. You're not. You see, you, you're tough. And you would tell me, listen, if we talked to you, you say, well, my dad was tough. Yeah, and you know where that got to, right? Dads are to be tough and tender. You are to be tough for your family. You fight the battles God wants you to fight in taking the stands God wants you to stand on as father before your kids. In your marriage. In life. You be tough for God. You be tough for your family. They can see what a godly man lives like. But you be tender towards your family. You be, you be patient. You be tender. You be forgiving. You be tender. You be loving. You be tender. Be a father like this. Be looking a long way off for that child. You be tough and you be tender. I'm going to tell you this. If a dad's only tender, and that's what a lot of dads are today, and a lot of you moms want dad to be tender all the time. If you're tender all the time, now listen to me, your family bullies you. If you're tender all the time, your family bullies you. If you're tough all the time, you bully your family all the time. With your words, your actions, your thoughts, your ideas, your plans. We need to be tough for our family. We need to be tender for our family as dads. We need to be a dad like this. Well, look at 21. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and am no longer worthy of being called your son. And there was a rebellious young man who had grown physically, has now grown emotionally and spiritually. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things about watching my children grow up was not their accomplishments. And I'm so proud of them. Laura and I talked. It didn't seem like we created four children that were exactly like. They all had their own special creativity, personality, involvement in high school. It did. And they had their accomplishments through their, their university years. And now, as they're raising their children. But the thing that's always impressed me is to watch them be mature enough to apologize for their wrong behavior. You see, if they can learn to do that with humans who they can see, they'll be able to do that with a God that they can't see. And you see, that's where this boy is. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and, and you... Uh, I am no longer worthy to being called your son. He's realizing he doesn't deserve a relationship with his son. I'm going to tell you some of the ways I treated my kids. I don't deserve them to call me father. I don't. But they've been taught to love God and God teaches them to love me. And hopefully I've amended and I've repented and I've told them I'm sorry. And they know that. This son has come to the place that he is repenting. He is seeking to make amends with his dad. And look what his dad does. And this is what God does. When God sees it happen here, I'm going to tell you, some people say, you've got to really be sorry before God's going to forgive you. You've got to fall on your knees, and I can't. I celebrated Friday night with a two-year-old girl. 
when she told me she's having a birthday party and she jumped up and down and I jumped up and down. And then she did it again and I did it again. My knees hurt Saturday all day. And then last night I went to a birthday party for a grandchild and they were going to play, what's that, what's that called? What was that game called? Dodgeball. And they, my oldest son, it was his kid's birthday and he's afraid there wasn't going to be enough people so I got out there and played dodgeball. And would you believe the first ball thrown at me? It didn't hit me. I fell over. I got a tailbone at every step I take, I hurt. And I now, after playing about five games like that, I got an arm that just wants to hang here. Now, I'm not trying to get your sympathy. I, I, it, it hurts because I've, I've learned to fall in my yard. I don't put my hands down. I just fall and roll. My kids always say, you okay? And I say, yeah, man, I just don't catch myself anymore. But I'm in that hard gym floor, and I hit that, and I got a right hand. I try to carry in things I carry in every week, and I just only carry the left hand. Father so loves his son. He runs to him. That's what dads do. They give so much. That's what God does. He doesn't wait for you to fall on your knees. That's how I got in that. He said, oh God, I'm a terrible sinner. I'm so bad. Oh gee, God, I'm a terrible. Man, the word confess in the Bible just means in your, your decision-making process, you agree with God. You know, God, I was wrong. I was wrong in being disrespectful to my parents. I was wrong in what I did to that person sexually. I was wrong in what I did. See, it's just, and God says, gone. Just gone. That easy. And that's what happens here. See, Jesus is telling the story. When this son comes clean... Look what the father says, 22. But his father said to his servants. In other words, Jesus is going to show us grace. This is how quickly God forgives me. Oh, thank you, Father, for forgiving me this way. This is how quickly He forgives you. Your maid may not. And your kids or your parent may not. But God does if He knows it's serious. Oh, you may do it again. But see, he don't even see that before. To him, it's the first time. That's what you got to understand. Satan says God keeps seeing it, so God's going to give up on you. No, it's, it's gone. And so what's this father do? Quick, he says to the servants, bring the finest robe. Look, this is Greek. I mean, this is grace. Finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. This is the rescue part. This is the rescue part. This boy isn't there. He comes home. Remember, he, he probably tried to clean himself up, but his clothes wore out. You know, when you don't have money, usually clothes is one of the last things you might buy. See? And I know, if you've got a piece of plastic, you can buy a lot of clothes. Okay? But he don't have plastic. And so, real quick, the father's returning him to his relationship. When the father gets done, you will come to that man's house that very day, and you will look at that boy, and you won't be able to tell him any different from the boy than when he left because he's going to look just like what he's supposed to look like. And if you come back to God, I'm telling you, that's what he does. You see, the Father is the one who causes the change. That's what Jesus is saying in the story. It's not the Son. It's not the Son. The Son just had to get honest with the Father and His plan. He had to come back on the Father's term. But it's the Father who does the healing. It's the Father who does the cleaning. It's the Father who makes things like they're supposed to be. That's why if you're going to repent, you're going to confess, you've got to come back to where God wants you to be. And God will start making things clean in your life. God will start making things right in your life. God will start working. 
Now, other people can still be a problem because God gives freedom of choice. And they may want to complicate your life, but you don't just have to hang with them anymore because once you come back to God, you come back to God's people. Not those religious, traditionalists. You're going to see a little bit later, you're going to call them hypocrites. Not those people who say, we love God, but we don't like you. Unless you look like us, and you sing like us, and you act like us. But you get around those people to understand how loving God is, and God will rescue you, no matter what you got into that you weren't supposed to be into. 23. And kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So party. So the party began. This is celebration. And you know what? God always brings celebration. You aren't used to it, so when you come back, your mom and dad, they're smiling again, or, or your brother and sister are smiling again, or your children are smiling. Boy, dad's back to where he's supposed to be. Or people at church are saying, hey, it's good to see you. And you're saying, I just think they're all fakes. They're all smiling. You know, they're celebrating they're having parties see the son has come to his senses the son has come back to the father on the father's term and the father makes things clean and right and there's celebration look at the next blank on your wedding uh, on your worship handout god is just waiting for you he has so much for you that's all he's doing he's waiting for you don't let the philosophy of the people who are lost convince you not to come back to the Father. Don't let Satan's wrong ideas keep you from coming back to the Father. Look at verse 25. Meanwhile, uh-oh, meanwhile, oh no, the older son was in the fields working. You know, the story could have ended right here. And it had been just fine. But you see, we've got to be careful. Some of us aren't full of rebellion. We're very mature and we're very responsible. And we're very accountable. But we're like this older son. That's the religious traditionalist Jesus is talking to. The young son is the notorious sinners. And so Jesus is going to talk to those people who think they got it all together. 25, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants that what was going on. 27 says, your brother, the servant says, your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. What's going on? He's told, he says, hey, this isn't right. You know what that squirt did? That squirt took the money and ran. He left town. And he, he got to spend all that money. And you know what I did? I'm the only son left. I have to hold down the family business. Dad's getting old. And I don't care how young you are, Dad your kids are going to think you're getting old. See, when they're 16 and you're 37 or 38 or 39, you're getting old. See? This guy, this guy is saying, wait a minute, I've been the responsible one, he's been the irresponsible one. I've had control, Dad has said, hey, how about over there? And I've said, okay, I can take care of it, Dad. Him, he's just been out of control. See, he can justify his judgment all he wants. Now, I want you to understand, he has come to the place. See, he can justify his emotional feelings because he has come to the place that the younger son had been at. And that's what we do. See, this kid's getting lost. He's a responsible, good kid, been home, loved his father, mom. But you see, 
when he sees how easy it is for God to receive people who have done things that we think are simply horrible. It can't be that easy for us just to receive them and love them. It should be. He can't understand that, so he wouldn't go in. And look what happened. See, because remember, Jesus telling the story, what kind of father he is. He's like God. 28 says his father came out and, and what? And begged him. See, God doesn't give up. He came out. He says, please, son, we're celebrating. Come in. Please, son. And the son said, no. He says, son, son, stop and think what you're doing. Your brothers come home. We're back as a family. Think about your actions, son. What are your actions going to say to your brother? And he's going to say this. Listen, the son's going to say, no, dad, you think about what your actions are saying to me. That's what he's going to say. But he replied, all these years, Dad, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing and you told me to, that you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. You, you realize what emotions does? Emotions become unrational. Dad, you never gave me anything. You see, he didn't stop and think. Who paid for the food he ate? Who paid for that big screen TV he had? Who paid the phone bill when he didn't have the money to pay it? Who gave him the, 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 the slick ox cart that he got to drive? See, he's, he's only comparing this celebration. He didn't realize. Now listen, he didn't realize he was experiencing the celebration of life. See, can you teach can you teach your preschooler when they get to be one and a half and two? Because they, they start rationaling about six months. And if you don't think so, when they're hungry, they know what to do. And when you don't respond, they know what to do. So can you start teaching your preschooler that the celebration of life is that dad and mom are here with you? And can you teach your children that the celebration of life is there are adults who will help them learn intellectually? Can you teach your children that the celebration of life is somebody out there will hire them? So be responsible. Don't be talking bad about it. Some of your kids talk bad about their first job at McDonald's or wherever because they only hear you always talking bad about your job that you've been working for many years. Can you teach him the celebration of life? The celebration of life, listen, is taking place right here. The celebration of life is taking place in the cafeteria and in those preschooler rooms. Will you teach your child that? Or will you say, we just do that because God said to do that? The celebration of life is going to take place when you leave here and now you're so hungry like I am and you're going to have that first drink and that first food you're going to eat and that's God's celebration of life this boy has missed the celebration of life he's experienced it but he's comparing that he's not got the party tonight it's not all about him tonight and so he's saying dad you've never done anything for me and we tend to say that to God and you know what God did Listen, God stepped out of heaven 2,000 years ago for you. God came to His creatures, the people He created. He could have just snapped His fingers and they'd be gone. And they, they ridiculed Him and they made fun of Him. And many of them said, we love God, Jehovah. We don't like you, God, Jesus. Second person, God. And they beat Him. That's what God did for us. 
That's what he did for us. You never did anything for me, God. Today you're not doing anything for me. I stepped out of heaven and he went to the cross. And some of you have heard this so much, but you see, you know physically what I'm talking about, but you don't know emotionally nor spiritually. And he went to that cross. And according to God's plan, he shed his blood. His life, breath, struggled to get away from him until he, he drowned it in his own bodily fluids. Terrible way to die. With all that, that ripped body. Can you imagine? Because nobody kept the, the birds away. The insects that would have been around. See, we don't even understand all that. We don't even like to watch. Like the passion for Christ that shows what it, the Scriptures is really like. Because that's too horrible. I don't want to believe we could do that to God. And he did all that because you see through his giving of his life and his blood. My sins are forgiven that quickly and that easily. And the greatest thing is, and I'm thankful I got a wife, is that I don't have to carry what I did years ago that was wrong because God has forgiven me. Laura knows that kind of father and she's just like that kind of father and she's forgiven me. And it's not, well, now I can't trust you because you know what you did. She don't know it anymore. It's gone. And when Satan wants to bring it into her mind, and he will always bring it in, she claims the blood of Jesus. It's gone. See, this, this guy, this kid is saying, you never did anything for me, and yet all his life, as long as he's been living, his father's been doing it for him. Verse 30, yet when this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. How does he know it's prostitutes? Of course, it's a good preaching if you want to use that sermon point. But he said, he's just saying, terrible way of living. You celebrate by killing the fatted calf. In other words, Dad, I think you're so old you don't know what you're doing. And what does his father say? His father says to him, look, dear son, you're so immature at this point. You have always stayed by me. And you know what? Everything I have is yours. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. The older son thinks the father's playing favorites, and the father says, I've never played favorites. I allow you all to have the freedom of choice. The young son made the mistake, and he chose the wrong. He complicated his life by making the wrong choices. You stayed here and you've not known that confrontation. See, they don't know. Did you ever have to feed pigs? That's what a Jewish boy shouldn't do. See, they don't know. Were you ever a lone son that nobody was there for you? Right now, this son is moving too, being lost. He's alone. Dad doesn't care for me. The father's saying, I've always been in a relationship with you. Everything I have is yours. That's what God says to us. I'm telling you, his bank is open. And his bank is more than finances. It's the emotional need you have in your life. Look at the last blank in your message, man. Fill it in, and then I'm going to finish this. Do you ever get upset because you think connection is catering to the younger folks and ignoring the older folks? What about my age group? What about my cultural needs? Do you behave like the older brother in this story? Look, verse 32, the father said, we had to celebrate this happy day. And I'm going to tell you, Connection will celebrate reaching people who culturally, the traditional churches have refused to reach unless those people change first. And of course, traditional people in traditional churches won't say that's true. 
But they won't change. They won't change anything about the way they do things because that's what they're used to. They'll lose their children and their grandchildren because they won't change. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The older son's thinking about himself. The father's thinking about what's been reached. The older son's thinking about himself. The father's thinking about how the family has come back together. What's ironic, again, is that the older son now has gone to the place of lostness that the younger son had when the story began. This is Jesus' story. What's your reaction? Are you the rebellious younger son? Come home. God's just waiting. He's looking a long way. He's been waiting maybe for months for you or years. Come home. You you got out on your own and you're able to take care of yourself, but God's plan's not your plan. Come home. Or are you the older brother? Have you decided? Have you decided in your emotions that if it's not about you, then you want to be no part of it? God, our Heavenly Father, loves us like this father loved the younger, rebellious brother and the older, good brother in a sense. God loves us. He's just waiting. Come home. Come home. The money. Let's have the bags. Can we have the bags, Bob? Oh, let's see. Okay, we got two bags. Thank you. We, we collected $240 today. Thank you for giving those. So we're going to give $120 to one person, $120 to another person. Uh, hey, Doris Stover, would you take a bag? And, uh, hey, Chet, how about you? I pick the single adults every so often. Yeah, you just follow the instructions on the paper. And for you who ever want to know what that instruction is, ask me, I'll give you one. Thank you. Just take it and give that to somebody. You can decide. We got a question? Are there any questions? Okay. Let's bow together and then we're done. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people willing to listen to my words. But Father... May more than anything, may what was from your spirit have come across. That it will make a difference, at least for the next hour or a few hours. That it will make a difference. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.